when you think of it just let me know hi guys welcome back to bloody bazaar i'm just admiring emma's plant and she's trying to think of the name for me i'll I'll google lens it okay my name's emma i'm sarah welcome back to the pod yeah it's very um gloss it looks fake well it ain't yeah i know but i like that like it looks so healthy that it looks fake all my plants look healthy yeah no but these ones like they're not yeah they've got imperfections that one's like what Sarah comes into my house. She tells me it stinks like piss and then points out the imperfections in my plants. Well, I don't think it smells like piss today. Yeah, well, I cleaned that whole area. Can you tell it's all nice and clean? Yeah. looks fresh. Not that I needed to. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Clearly you did. How's everyone doing? How's everyone's week been? Let us know. Uh, Again, this is um, maybe one of the last... Oh, no, we'll probably have a couple more in the time zone, time machine. I think we can, yeah. We've yeah. been pretty good this time. We have been We learned good. from we our learned. mistake last time when yeah. we, like, recorded fuck all. <laughs> yeah, we, we did make a mistake there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because then we were, like, chasing our tails for the rest of the year. Yeah. Whereas this way, we might even have some, like, banked up. Mm. I, I would like to do a couple more episodes, like, spare ones that are, like, list-type ones. Yeah. I, f- I find them quite fun. Okay. Well... You can do that. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of a good theme for one. So obviously last week I did Flinders Highway and I thought another fun theme could be like scary roads. (laughs) Okay. Sure. Would you be interested in hearing about scary roads? I mean, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? You you did like stairs in the woods. I could do another superstitions episode as well because there were There'll so be many. Yeah. There were so many superstitions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could just do like fun listy ones. Um, write it to us on Instagram and tell Sarah mm. what, what like listicle you want her to do. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Listicle? That's when there's an article in list form. Ah, okay. Right. Like a BuzzFeed. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Tell me if there's like a theme you can think of. I don't know. Ugly animals. I was going to say like crazy animal attacks or something. Oh, yeah. But I don't want to do that because that's just a bummer. But like, yeah. you know, like something weird and interesting. Something bloody bizarre. Yeah, something bizarre, um, but that I probably couldn't do a full episode on each one because they're too short. Yeah. So but like another one was like weird diseases and like stuff like that. But then I thought that that one, that might be a bit not nice because, you know, the people suffer from those diseases yeah yeah but then we also do talk about murder cases where people have lost their lives yeah i know you know just it's a fine line it is um okay well i'm gonna jump in okay to today's episode if there's nothing else that you would like to yeah well we we can't really um because you know we haven't had any engagement because we've been on break so because otherwise we would have had a ton of it (laughs) we do have a little bit now people do dm um Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So if you have messaged about, like, episodes that have dropped in the past few weeks, just remember that we were, like, pre-recording all of these. So if we haven't, like, said something, like, if you, I don't know, were like, hey, mention this or whatever, if we haven't, it's because these are all pre-recorded. So We will eventually. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, I'm going to get started. Okay. My sources today are Wikipedia, 60 Minutes Australia YouTube channel, uh, change.org, 
uh, news.com article by Blake Antrobus, underwaterafrica.org, smarttraveler.com.au, an article in the journal Health by Cruz et al. entitled The Characteristics of the Violence Against Women in Mozambique, nonews.com.au and tripadvisor.com.au. Quite a few this time. Yeah, I went deep on this one. Today, I'm telling you about the death of 20-year-old Australian woman, Ellie Warren, in 2016. Ellie was intelligent and ambitious and was studying alongside peers on the beautiful Mozambique coast, specifically around Tofo Beach area. Um, Warren travelled to Mozambique by herself on a six-week trip where she was volunteering her time and working alongside scientists for a company called Underwater Africa, and that's a research company. Okay. What was she doing? Um, She was like a volunteer there, but she was um, interested in um, marine biology. Okay. During her time in Mozambique, Warren stayed in the bungalow that was a part of Kasabari, and that was a popular diving resort at Tofo Beach. Sounds nice. For six weeks, Warren took a boat out to the reefs off the coast of Mozambique with the marine biologists, and they would, like, examine stuff, um, you know, record stuff. They swam with, like, whales and turtles and all that kind of shit. Sounds amazing. Yeah, and incredible for someone who's interested in that stuff, like, to work you know to travel and then get to do like the work that you are so interested in with people i guessing top of their field yeah so on a tuesday night the end of the six-week program with africa underwater warren went out with some friends to celebrate the end of the program on wednesday morning warren's body was discovered by a fisherman in or near a toilet block near a street market in tofo i'm going to talk about her life her death and the suspicious actions taken by local police this is going to be another annoying one. Yeah. Sorry, annoying. It's going to be another, like, infuriating one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, infuriating and sad. Um, Ellie's family describe her as, quote, a bright, happy, hardworking, determined young girl with her whole life ahead of her, end quote. They say, quote, Ellie loved travelling, she loved Africa, the African people and marine life and wanted to make a difference in marine and wildlife conservation. So it seems like, a, you know, a really driven, passionate, mm. smart young woman who is doing something positive doing something mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. Yep. taking advantage of like an incredible opportunity yep and like you know independent and like yeah. you know doing it on her own and can't do fucking anything yep she'd grown up in Mordelock, which is a beachside town 24 kilometers out of the melbourne cbd from what i could glean from wikipedia i think this area was kind of middle class mm-hmm. um but it was on the beach so i think it was pretty pretty nice yeah yeah as i said earlier ellie was intelligent she had attended parkdale secondary college and upon her return from mozambique was planning on going to james cook university to study marine biology so this volunteer trip was really perfect yeah absolutely she could satiate her desire to travel and see a bit of the world and she would get some experience working in the field of marine biology at the Mm -hmm. same time ellie's father paul says ellie was a girl who knew what she wanted and there was no way anyone could stop her her parents were a little worried as i'm sure most parents would be um, when their child embarks on travel but she was headstrong and confident and they knew they couldn't stop her Ellie's mum, Nicole, describes her as happy, I'm sorry, always happy and always on the go. She says there was never enough hours in the day. She would cram as much as possible into the time she had. So Ellie set off on the volunteer trip around late September, October, excited for her six weeks of adventure. That's such a funny growl. (laughs) That's his like half growl. Like he's seen someone and he's like, do I need a bark yet? Like Patchy's. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's winding himself up. He's, he's deciding if it's worth it or not. Yeah. Uh, it ain't worth it. 
On your bed. Was her up? Yeah, he's like, I saw someone, mum. Yeah. Um, okay. Her time on the program went well. She would accompany marine biologists out in the reefs off the coast of Tofo Beach. Nicole, Ellie's mother, says that Ellie was loving her time there, that her first sighting of a whale shark was particularly thrilling for her. Mm. Um, According to the Underwater Africa website, they say, quote, our conservation adventure began when we fell in love with the idyllic waters of southern Mozambique and so started our history of marine research and conservation. Over time, our love for these waters grew and we wanted to share this through the Underwater Africa volunteer program and connect volunteers with marine biologists for five years our scientists investigated mozambique's coastal reefs and threatened species and provided training and education to local communities and the coastal police so that's what underwater africa does mm-hmm. tofo tofo i don't know is a popular backpacking spot after mozambique gained independence in 1975 tofo and the surrounding areas experienced significant economic growth tourism became an important industry for the region uh it's situated on the indian ocean and boasts a long sandy beach with clear turquoise waters it really looks beautiful Mm -hmm. the town is surrounded by lush vegetation including palm trees and mangroves and is known for its natural beauty and wildlife which includes dolphins whales and sea turtles Mm. sounds like tropical paradise tropical paradise yeah Mm. The region is also thick with coral reefs and is really popular among divers and snorkelers. Smart Traveller recommends those travelling to Mozambique to exercise a high degree of caution overall due to the threat of terrorism and violent crime. They also specifically say, quote, violent attacks, including sexual assaults, occur. The risk of crime increases at night and during holidays. Don't go out after dark, even in tourist areas, and avoid isolated locations. Don't go out after dark. That's what they say. But it seems that the north of the country is way more volatile um, than the south, and Tofo is in the in Humbane province, which is way in the south. That being said, and though, you said that she was in like a resort, yeah, like, a mm-hmm. really like a tourist area, yeah, essentially. So you know, despite Tofo kind of being in the south, away from the volatile north, uh, there have been reports of violent violent crimes in the Inhumbane province and there is a general issue with police corruption in the area okay there's also an issue an issue with gender-based violence or violence against women including sexual violence in a lot of african countries and in fact in most countries in general um yeah i was gonna say yeah (laughs) um mozambique is not immune to this that study that i was talking about by cruz et al or the study that i've quoted or sourced rather or referenced i don't know words today (laughs) Yeah, the study by Cruz et al. from 2014 found that the majority of violence against women in sub-Saharan Africa was perpetrated by someone known to the victim, but there was still an alarming number of assaults committed by someone unknown to the victim, and the overwhelming majority of assaults in both cases are not reported, so there's this huge issue as well with underreporting and missing data. Again, that's not just an African issue. Across the board. Across the world. Um, It seems, though, that for the most part, Tofo Beach is popular and relatively safe and friendly, and that appeared to be Ellie's experience up until her second last day in the region. So she was leaving the next day. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck me. That is horrible. On Tuesday, November 8th, Warren may have checked in at the Wuyani Pariyango Hostel, where she left some of her belongings. One report, however, indicated that she never checked into the Wiyani Pariyango, um, and that was according to the manager of the hostel. But given that her stuff was there, I think it's safe to say she was at least there. Like maybe, maybe the manager's like, no, she didn't check in, 
but maybe it was too early for her to check in and so she dropped her stuff or, you know, something like that. She was definitely in the area. Yeah. On Tuesday night, the end of her volunteership with Underwater Africa, Warren went out with some friends to celebrate the end of the program, as I said. Her and her friends went out to a local bar and partied into the evening, but Ellie was not into any substances. She lived a really healthy lifestyle, even in photos from earlier in the trip and earlier in her life. Uh, She's often pictured with just a water bottle rather than any booze. And the last known photo of Ellie alive is from that very night where her and her friends are around a table and they all have a beer and she's got this big bottle of water in front of her. And I'm not mentioning that to say that if she was like a big drinker, um, a drug taker or anything like that, that she would deserve in any Mm -hmm. way what happened to her. But I'm only mentioning it because it becomes relevant in a minute. Yeah. So that's Tuesday night, right? Early on the morning of Wednesday, November 9th, Ellie's body was found by the local fisherman. She was half undressed, her shirt was ripped and she was lying on her stomach with her ankles in the dirt. Uh, dumped in the mud between the two toilet blocks in a dirty and noisy street market alley. After her death, there were inconsistent reports as to the cause of and manner of her death. Um, This lack of information and investigation was compounded by the local authorities' handling of the case, which I'll go into a little bit later. Shortly after Ellie's... So how did she die? We're not really sure. There There is an official report, which I'll get to. Okay. It seems... I'll tell you now. It seems like she um, asphyxiated on sand... Oh, I like that poor little girl in last week's story. But that can't be confirmed because of the, like, issues with the autopsy, with, like, other things that have happened. But it seems like that is, a, a like, a, a tentative consensus. Like, the people, like, it's that's probably what killed her. Right. So as if someone was, like, pushing her head into the ground. Yeah. So... Shortly after Ellie's discovery, or the discovery of Ellie, rather, uh, her parents received a call that their daughter had been murdered. Oh, God. Possibly sexually assaulted. However, initially, in Humbane police spokesman Detective Juma Dalto said, quote, It looks like a sudden death, and we are in doubt as to what could have happened. He went on, She didn't have a scratch, didn't have a bruise on her indicating there was a there was violence or rape. I guarantee it. I have total confidence she was not raped. The community here is shocked. This has never happened. Everybody wants to know what happened. End quote. That sounds like absolute bullshit. Uh-huh. I this guarantee has, it. This has never happened. Yeah. I'm sorry, nobody's ever been raped in your community? Yeah. That makes you like the safest place in the world. Yep. I don't buy it. Right after her death, Melbourne newspaper The Age reported Australian government information from the Department of Foreign Affairs and the Australian High Commission in South Africa suggests she was found raped and murdered. Yeah, it so, sounds like it. She was a healthy girl. She doesn't. You don't just drop dead suddenly. But like, it's also like, where are they getting their information from? Because this was shortly after her death. So while Detective Gilmadolto is out there going, oh, she just dropped dead, the Melbourne Age is going, well, the High Commission thinks that she was raped and murdered. Is it possible that there was a language barrier when he was t- talking to the parents? I don't... I mean, it's pretty absolute what he's saying. Is it also possible that maybe... He is not all that well, all that well versed in no, not all that well versed in like communicating that kind of news to a family. I don't know, I don't know, but it's it is yeah, it's fucked. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to put a trigger warning on the description of this episode because I forgot yeah. to do it at the start. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the first formal police report by the Inhumbane Police was released six months after her death. Jesus indicated that Warren died of a drug overdose. What? Even though there was absolutely no forensic evidence of drugs in her system. So they just made it up? 
Yep. This report was a page and a half, uh, and in later investigations, South African forensic pathologist Dr. Patricia Klepp describes the initial report as, quote, suboptimal, totally unacceptable, and not worth the paper it's printed on. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, that's just fiction. Yeah. Local police suggested in their report that Ellie had tripped when coming from the toilet, fell on her stomach, and then suffocated in that place, unable to move due to the intoxication. So that was their story. Even though there were no drugs in her system. Correct. And she was not a drug taker. And her clothes were ripped. Yep. In fact, what had happened to Ellie is still not fully known, but later coronial reports show that Ellie had uh, choked to death after inhaling sand and there were cuts and bruises on her mouth and neck. Yeah, so it sounds like someone had a hold of her yep. of her head and her neck. Yep. There was a lack of action by local authorities who seemed to be content calling the death accidental and closing the case, but Ellie's family were not giving up. They knew that the manner of death was just not possible for someone like Ellie. She wasn't a drug taker. The coronial report did list manner of death as homicide, but there has been seemingly no action on this report by the local police to find whoever's responsible. So That's so weird. So there's ones that are like, yeah, homicide, and then well, other so ones are like, drug overdose. The coroner ruled it as a homicide, and the police are going, mm, there's a drug overdose. What the fuck? That's obviously, like, police. Yeah. I mean, there are issues with police corruption in this area. I wonder if one of the police had something to do with this. That's very good detective brain of you. Yeah. Her mother launched, so Ellie's mother launched a petition on change.org asking then-Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison for help into the circumstances surrounding her death. The petition read in part, quote, We ask Scott Morrison as Prime Minister of Australia to intervene in this case to put pressure on the Mozambique government to allow Australia to provide an investigation team to work with the Mozambique police to solve Ellie's murder and give her some justice, end quote. After two weeks, the petition grew to more than 36,000 signatures. Bill Shorten, the then federal leader of the opposition, called for a diplomatic action from the Australian government as it related to Warren's death. But by 2018, there were still no answers and still no action. So Paul, Ellie's father, decided to take matters into his own hands. He bought a ticket to Mozambique and made his way to the coastal town where his daughter had lost her life with the crew from 60 Minutes Australia. He went to shops, stalls, clubs, streets and asked locals and even left his own bulletin board at the place where Ellie's body was found, which he used to ask for information from eyewitnesses or anyone that, you know, lived in the area. Wow. So he just became like an investigator. Mm -hmm. Paul hired a private investigator too um, and a detective. And with their help, they found more evidence in a couple of days than the investigators had since the beginning. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It sounds like they were, like, almost actively covering it up. Yeah. Uh, It seemed to Paul that local authorities had done no work to determine who murdered his daughter. Um, Ellie's mother says that they hadn't collected samples, hadn't interviewed locals, they hadn't done anything. A German private detective even found out the identity of a possible suspect, Um, a local pimp who was caught on tape telling a local sex worker that he was capable of killing or getting someone killed. They also found a photograph taken by a local of Ellie's body before the police photographed her. So, you know, like locals had gathered around the body and some of them had taken photos before the police had gotten their photos. Oh my God. In the first picture that the person had, had taken, Ellie's position is significantly different than the police photos. So, those first on the scene had moved and staged Ellie's body. 
how was she positioned prior to so like, is it so she was found with her like on her on her stomach with her legs in the sand when the police in the police photo she is like in a prayer position in a muslim prayer position ah like on your like no like on your knees like that way like forward like a prayer mat yeah yeah that's weird and before that she was like lying flat sort so, of with her head yeah. in the sand yeah face down and so i think what they that change i think they moved her that way so it looks more like, like um, she tripped yeah and then was just like slumped mm, okay um so in the picture in the first picture that's yeah. like a member of the public took you can clearly see black sand on Ellie in many places, which comes from somewhere other than where she was found, indicating the body had been dumped there. Further, the sand found in Ellie's stomach and lungs was not the same as the sand where she was found, and the ground where she was found was more like hard clay than loose sand. Okay, yeah. According to Paul, Ellie's dad, anyone who has seen this gruesome picture can say for sure that this was murder. Her underwear's down around her knees, her legs are parted. Oh. Yeah. So she was absolutely sexually assaulted. Probably. Paul got this picture for himself after less than a day of searching. The police still had no information about this picture at this point, even after two years of investigation. So they'd done absolutely nothing. An hour after this photo was taken, a local woman remembered arriving at the scene and seeing Ellie's body in the the Muslim prayer position um, and not on her stomach, as was in the picture. Uh, Paul soon received uh, an anonymous threatening phone call as well while he was in Mozambique investigating, directly threatening to murder him and dump his body into the sea if he continued. Mr. Warren believes that Paul believes that the Mozambique authorities are covering up his daughter's death so as to save the tourism trade. Yeah. Um, Which we've seen many times in other cases as well. Uh, There is also a possibility that the perpetrator was himself an officer. Yeah. Or had, like, links to the police. Like, you know, his brother was a cop or something. In June 2010, six years prior to Ellie's African trip, Mrs. Hayrikian says a man attempted to rape and kill her in the beach town of Tofo. Then a 21-year-old backpacker... Ms. Hayrikian claims she was attacked just 300 metres away from where Ellie's body was found. She told AAP she escaped the life-threatening situation with help from an American man. They rushed to a nearby police station to report what had happened, but on entering the station, with support from the man and his parents, uh, an Australian tourist, Ben Lancaster, another backpacker, as well as a local translator, so a big group of them went to the local police station, Mm -hmm. she was confronted by her attacker. The man had beaten her back to the station and changed into his work uniform. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, can you imagine you make it out of that situation only to, like, that's like nightmare fuel. Yep. The situation took an even darker turn. Miss Herakian says the attacker accused her of possessing drugs and held her at gunpoint demanding money. In a bid for freedom, cash was handed over before she and the other tourists ran away in fear for their lives. Naturally distraught at what happened, Miss Harikian sought help from Mozambique's tourist board and the British High Com- Commission in Maputo, but she was told pretty much to forget about the incident. Oh my God. This story was reiterated by the man who actually helped Miss Harikian after he posted the story to TripAdvisor, and it's still up if you like are able to find it. Yeah. Um, I've found it pretty easily. So he says, quote, and this is a long quote, but it's, you know, it Fair describes the, the situation. So he says, quote, 
I had a terrible experience at Norton's Lodge about a week ago. I was staying in a beach bungalow and woke up at 1.30 in the morning to screams of help. Running outside, I saw a man holding a young Scottish girl, 20-something, and trying to pull her back onto the beach. I began yelling at the man in Portuguese and he loosened his grip enough for her to slip away and run over to me. Note, the Norton security guard saw this happening, yet did nothing. It turns out that the girl had been smoking a cigarette outside of Fatima's and this man had dragged her onto the beach and tried to force himself upon her. He had put a baton to her head and threatened to kill her unless she complied. We went to Fatima's, found her friends and confronted the man who was standing outside. I explained to the security guard what had happened and he suggested that we call the police. However, he did not restrain the assailant when when he walked out of the bar. We found out later that this man turned out to be a police officer who had been drinking with his friends all night at Fatima's. He goes on to explain the ordeal at the police... Sorry, that's the end of the quote. Yeah. He goes on to explain the ordeal at the police station where they accuse them of possessing um, pot and force them to pay a bribe. So is this what happened to Ellie? Sounds like it. Seems like a bit of a coincidence. Yeah. Perhaps the perpetrator didn't mean to kill her, but she suffocated while he was assaulting her, like yeah. holding her head down in the holding sand. Holding her head down in the sand. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, dumped her body elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly there was no definitive evidence of sexual assault in the um, autopsy, but I don't trust the autopsy as far as I can throw it. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't sound like they really investigated anything. Yeah. There was also reports of a local crime gang operating in the area in 2013 referred to as the Beach Boys, and they were said to be targeting foreigners to rob specifically lone women. Um, I don't know if I really hold them as too great a suspect in this. I think the police officer did it. Yeah, me too. I also like, – it's hard to take them seriously called the Beach Boys. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, can't get a scary name? No. Yeah. <laughs> Australian homicide detective Charlie Bazina spoke to 60 Minutes and he said the Mozambique investigation was deeply flawed. I think that's putting it lightly. Yeah. Um, he believes it would be impossible Ellie's death uh, to have a, for Ellie's death to have occurred in the manner they said it did. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> he believes someone held Ellie down in the sand for that much to have ended up in her airways. Ellie's mother says that Ellie is her first thought when she wakes up and her last thought when she goes to sleep. Ellie's father says, quote, not only don't we have answers, but there is somebody walking around out there who committed this crime and we don't know who that is. Yeah, and who will likely do it again. Who likely has done it since then. Yeah. He said he feared the same situation would befall other Australian families, um, other families, I I guess, if we don't do something about it soon or now, he said. He wants the federal government to step in and put pressure on the Mozambique authorities to invite Australian investigators to complete their own investigation. Mm. Um, Essentially, Australia can't do anything unless they're invited by Mozambique. Okay. Yeah, it's like, you know, jurisdictional. Diplomatic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Paul says this, quote, I can't let her down. I have to get this done for her and I'm not going to give up. Paul put up a makeshift remembrance board at the site where Ellie's body was found. Um, He put up photos of Ellie and wrote around the border, fly high, swim deep, rest in peace, my lovely girl. And Sarah is crying. (laughs) Uh, And that is the really depressing, sad and really frustrating. Really infuriating. story of Ellie Warren. And there is a change.org still open for that if you want to sign it. Um, Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So that started in 2018. 2017 2017 she um was murdered so it's been going on since then so 2018 they started that petition to scott to scott morrison at the time yeah and um this came this came to my attention because i read an updated news article about it like about paul asking for renewed pressure on the federal government so it's still like you know it's still in the kind of zeitgeist for lack of a better word 
Yeah. Um, oh, and if, like, of course, for the family. I mean. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. She has a sister too. All right, I'm going to go sign that petition. Yeah. That's fucking infuriating. I know. It, it seems like it's a really lovely area and the locals are really wonderful and, like, really welcoming and it just seems like there's an issue with corruption. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with police corruption yeah. in particular, yeah. it sounds like. Yep, I read multiple stories in the research for this of people being like um, accused of holding drugs and then being forced to pay a bribe to get out of that. That sort of stuff really scares me. Me too. Because me too. it's like it's like lawless. Yeah. It's kind of like if you can't turn to police when you're in trouble, it's like who do you turn to? Yeah. Is there a what's it called? Like Australian embassy in Mozambique? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, they were saying there was like recommendations in the TripAdvisor and like in the like thread, the the comment thread saying things like, if you do get held up by like corrupt police, you, you meant to say like, no, get like, I, I work in the embassy or I have this position, like I'm high up in the government or I know people that are high up in the government and they're like, they'll get scared and they're less likely to. Even that, like... You have to be good at bluffing and, like... Yeah, exactly. And having a police officer be like, I'm going to put you in jail Mm, unless you give me money. Yeah. Like, I would just be like, sure, how much do you want? Mm. I wouldn't be fucking around with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. God. And they were also, like, asking for their passports and, like, all kinds of stuff. that's the kind of stuff that's really scary. You're kind of powerless at at that point. Yeah. They can just make up whatever shit they want to. Yeah. So... Yep. Okay, well, yeah, go sign that petition, everyone. If you feel so inclined. Yeah. Well, who wouldn't? Frankie's stuck. Yeah. She knows how to get out but not back in. Oh, Frank. Hi, sweetie. Hello, my girl. Okay, well, what is it you always say? Thanks for telling me that. (laughs) Thanks for teaching me that. (laughs) I guess that that is an important one to talk about because it sounds like justice is absolutely not been done yes um and maybe if more people are talking about it so i hadn't even heard of that one maybe if more people are talking about it and aware of it that putting pressure on the government yeah it's you know it's a labor government at the moment maybe they're more inclined to help out the downtrodden i don't know yeah potentially maybe an election coming up you know is there another one already when, when was the last election I like it was recent are you thinking of the American election? That's coming Oh, up. yeah, I'm thinking of that. Yep, yeah, that's this year. <laughs> um, so Always brings out the best in everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, what are you doing next week? Do you know? Oh, let me have a quick check so I can tell you. All right. This is a, it's going to be a big one. So I'm like, am I going to end up pivoting because it's going to. All right. Well, but, but, we're, but we're quite far ahead. So like, I feel like we can take a bit of time. An between, extra couple of weeks. To, yeah. To so that I can research. do this one justice. I'm doing because... a big, I'm doing a heavy hitter next, like for my next one too. Okay. I'll tell you the one I'm doing. Okay. I'm doing Elisa Lamb. And I will say that listener Drew suggested this one. Okay. Yeah. Getting ahead of it. Wait, did Drew suggest this? One? If oh not, I'll God. cut it out. Okay. Um, so. Drew, I hope you're enjoying your shirt. Yeah, I told you yeah. she, she said <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was like, I didn't use it as a rag. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, I'm going to do Elisa Lamb. Because I was a, a bit torn, like, I, I wanted to do the Cecil Hotel. Mm. But then I was also like, I feel like Elisa Lamb's case. It's the bigger of the, and you can talk about the Cecil while talking yeah. about Elisa, yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. you'd already done Elisa Lamb. No, I did... Um, 
the elevator oh, game, elevator game in which we mentioned her case briefly because a lot of people like to say that she was a victim of the elevator game. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Is that going to be one of your theories? No. Well, yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably <laughs> well, mention yeah. it. <laughs> but no, that's, okay. uh, that's clearly not, not what happened. She didn't, she didn't take an elevator to hell. Sure. Um, a elevator. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to do that one and it's going to take me a while to research because I want to do it properly. All right. I won't tell you what I'm doing until next week. Okay. All right. Mm. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Oh, and uh, a special shout out to my friends, Lachlan and Shannon. They've been OG listeners and they do, you know, wear our merch out and about mm-hmm. and are very, you know, onto it. Same with Nick, you know. Yeah. Really just doing the Lord's work and the Lord's work is our work. Ew. Gosh. As in we are the Lord. They're doing our work. I don't want to be the Lord. Yeah, I guess I don't either. They're really doing our work. <laughs> um, and we appreciate them. Yeah. So thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.